0: what's up everyone welcome back to another episode of saturday standouts my name is caleb at chs no on twitter right there at the bottom with me as always is my co-host sam daring you can follow him at twitter at sam underscore daring 68 you can follow us saturday standouts at sat sat standouts capital u capital s capital n on twitter as well this is where our show goes live one of the streams that our our show goes live we also go live on youtube and the Unwrapped channel as well. Um, so you guys can follow the Unwrapped Sports Network, who we are blessed to be able to call you know, our home and everything like that. Um, but before we get going, um, Sam, well, tonight we're going to be going over the defensive line prospects um, for the upcoming 2021 NFL draft, which is exciting. Defensive line is pretty stacked, whether that's the interior defensive line or on the outsides of the edge positions as well, which we will most likely get to next week. Um, but Sam, how are you doing tonight, my man?
1: I'm doing well. Doing well. Had to work, hit the gym. We go hit Chick Fil A every Wednesday, so it's nice. <laughs> like I think I mentioned yeah, yeah. that like last week, but <laughs> it's awesome, yeah. man. But yeah, I mean, I've been watching Quinn Miner all week on Twitter. This dude's just blowing up the combine. I remember talking to you yesterday. Dude, he ran like a. He was a four point nine six unofficial forty, um, uh, I don't remember the number of his vertical, but I mean the last guy, the last like top one was Tristan Wirfs, and I mean you know how he panned out in the NFL. So, I mean, <laughs> yes, <that's>, I do. <laughs> that's like this dude is unreal. Like I, I love watching these D three guys, and like I, the like, Ali Ali Marpet at Hobart even drafted coming out of training camp. He was mm-hmm. he was a projected starter. So this D three, like yes, it's awesome because he's from Wisconsin, but. I love hearing these D3 stories.
0: Yeah, and if you guys don't know who Minard is, um, he was one of the guys that was really showing out you know, at the Senior Bowl and really kind of made a name for himself. Sam mentioned to me yesterday when we were talking about him um, that there's a rumor out there that all 32 teams were yep. there to, to see him participate in his pro day, and he absolutely killed it based off of his results. Um, but yeah, before we go ahead and jump into our defensive line prospects, more importantly, the interior of the defensive line, we're um, going to go over some sponsors. So, if you guys are gambling people like myself, head over to mybookie.ag and use code USN100 for double your first deposit, guys. Um, I love gambling. You know, March Madness is coming up. It's the best time of the year to gamble. So, head over there, get double your first deposit. It's a minimum of $45, I think, a max of 1000 So, you put in 100 bucks, you get a free $100 um, from mybookie to play. It's amazing stuff. Also, head over to rxhemp.com. Um, use code rxhemp-usn. For 10% off every single purchase. And what RX uh, hemp is, guys, is it's all natural pain relief cream that is CBD infused. So no THC mm-hmm. for the marijuana plant, just the CBD from it. So it's great cooling and uh, or warm and cool system that they got going on. It's great stuff. Also, throughout the show, you're going to be seeing, um, I might throw around um, our Patreon. So keep an eye out for that as well as our shop at teespring.com. So you can head to teespring.com backslash stores backslash unwrapped and get all of your unwrapped shows merchandise and then, you know, get your other merchandise there as well. Just your unwrapped, you know, generic, not generic, but, uh, quite the variety of styles we got going. We got a drip design. We got a Hollywood design. Um, we got a thank you for shopping with Us" design. It's, um, great stuff we got going over there at unwrapped a sitcom design as well. Um, and then I'm going to bring up the Patreon later once everybody's fully invested <laughs> to this show. Um, but without further ado, Sam, I'll let you take it away with our first guy. And, you know, kind of introduce us to what we're going to be going over tonight.
1: Yes. I mean, Caleb, you mentioned we're going to be talking about the defensive line prospects. Um, Just finished up our mock draft. And, you know, in case you guys missed that, um, that was published yesterday. um, Some very interesting one. It was was an interesting one. I want to get get the trades pretty quick here. But um, lots of big QB moves. So definitely go check that out. Um, And, yeah, so let's, let's dive into it. And the first one is... Arguably, probably the best defensive lineman in this draft is Christian Barmore, and you know he had a really strong start, and then middle of this middle of the season, he was kind of up and down, and he really, really turned it on late in the season. Um, ended with 27 total tackles, with um, six sacks. He's six five three ten. I mean, th- this dude is a run stuffer, and I mean, he he really turned it on. He went from being the solidified first round pick, or I guess first round pick, coming into the season you know, kind of up and down, kind of falling out of the first round. And I really think late in the season, even in the national title game against Ohio State, I think he really solidified himself as a first-round pick.
0: Yeah, definitely did. Um, this past year, he kind of had struggles with his effectiveness from game to game. He would have some moments that were just like, "What are you like, you're just kind of disappeared on right. us in certain games. But um, when you noticed that, it wasn't necessarily the bigger games. So it was like when, when his name was called or when, you know, the occasion arose for him to rise to the occasion, um, he, he did that. He, he was very effective in, in the big games and showed up when he needed to. Um, he has earned incredible pass rushing grades his, his past two seasons um, with an 88.1 in 2019 and a 91.5 in 2020, um, which are great, you know, grades for a pass rusher on the interior of the defensive line. Got great size, um, burst, length, and flexibility to you know beat his opposing offensive lineman off the block. Um, he wins those battles on a regular basis, and that's something you can see with Christian Barmore. Um, probably going to be the the number one overall defensive lineman that we see off the board. Um, so that's going to be cool to, to determine where he he's going. But you imagine him around the, in maybe middle late first round.
1: Yeah, I would say somewhere. I would even say in the twenties, somewhere in the twenty range. I, I, I want to say I saw him earlier this week at sixteen, to the Cardinals. But I mean, I think he's a solidified first round pick. Where I don't think he's going top fifteen, maybe top. Or I don't think he's going top ten, obviously, but maybe top fifteen. I think he's going to fluctuate throughout the first round because, like I've mentioned multiple times, like once you get past once you get past ten, eleven through twenty is so like it's it's going to be so interesting.
0: Yeah, it will be. Um, I think there's some teams that there that will be able to get a nice little Mm -hmm. steal there Um, and not necessarily that he's a steal because he is that good, but this defensive line class isn't necessarily the defensive line classes Mm -hmm. of the past um, that we have seen that you you really got to go out and get these guys like a Leonard Williams or um, somebody of that nature. So um, that's what we're looking forward to here is, you know, these guys are more of, you know, your average defensive lineman. They're not necessarily – bread makers of the defensive line on an NFL team. So um Christian Barmore has the potential to be that. I don't know if he is that. I think he'll probably fit best next to somebody else that might be able to open up some holes for him. Um he he's you know very dominant. Um when he faced you know above average offensive linemen in the games he he did really well um the two best interior lines that he faced all season he came up with 12 pressures in those games especially um, when it came to the playoff games, he mm-hmm. had a hell of a day in both of those playoff games that we were able to see Alabama and them ulti- ultimately winning that national championship. So um, I like Christian Barmore a lot. I don't want to say he's a steal because he's not really. Um, but, he, you know, that's just because of, you know, this interior defensive line class isn't necessarily as deep or, you know, star studded as we have had in the past. And with that, we'll move on to our next guy who is going to be a defensive lineman out of NC State in the name of Aleem McNeil. Um, he's more of a nose tackle guy, so he can also, you know, he kind of takes up two blocks per game, And but he is pretty effective in the pass rushing game, which is um, kind of rare for a guy that takes on that amount of blocks um, every single snap.
1: Yeah, I didn't even know until, you know, earlier tonight that, you know, in high school, he was a running back and a linebacker. So, I mean, he showed off that versatility. Uh, you know, coming coming into NC State, and like you mentioned, like he's more of an interior nose tackle guy. Um, I've I've seen like in different various opinions. I'm I'm on him as a pass rush. A lot of people praise him. Um, a lot of people. Uh, How's it going, Connie? Good to see you. Um, uh, by the way, before I make my point here, Connie and um, Josh earlier this week. Interviewed Trey Wingo. Awesome interview. Awesome job, both of you. Definitely go check that out. Um, but yeah, I mean Alan McNeil. I mean, I wanted to talk about him because he he seems to be a riser. And I, I saw him in a mock draft. I want to say, there yesterday. I think it was last night, and he was drafted to the Packers in the second or third round. So um, I think I think his versatility, and I think I think I I would definitely also say that his pass rushing is an area. Um, where he does excel in a little bit more as a run blocker, he's 6'2", six two three fifteen, and he does scream consistency. So I mean, he's he stepped on NC State and made an, made that made that immediate Im- immediate impact and continued to shine.
0: Yeah, and he's not necessarily you know a playmaker on the defensive side of the ball. He's more of a you know a disruptor, if you will. Um, he's kind of a guy that swallows in those offensive blocks so that other guys can get in there and make the play for for the defense. Um, so he he plops down very well. He's you know he doesn't move. You know once once he's there in 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 his spot and he's locked down and locked in and he doesn't move at all, which is really what you want. Um, he led all Power Five defensive tackles in the in run defense grade with a 92.1, and he's a big boy at 340. So you can understand the level that this guy is playing at. Anthony coming in here and saying he appreciates you for that shout out, Sam. It's awesome stuff. That Trey Wingo. Um, show with Gen Z Sports, awesome. Um, if you guys haven't checked that out, definitely go and check it out. Um, a lot of information. we were only supposed to have Trey for about 15 minutes, and they ended up getting in for an hour and a half. So it was amazing stuff over there um, with Gen Z Sports with Josh and Connie. Um, but yeah, back back to McNeil. Um, he's just a guy who fills the hole, and you know, for a, for a defense who runs just the lowest tackle as a whole, um, you can't ask much more for that because then. That takes away a block that you know when you can run a blitz-heavy scheme in a three-four or whatever you want to run in, in a nickel and in, in that package as well. Um, I think that is very beneficial. I can see him being very successful in the NFL just based off of what he's able to do on the interior of the defensive line there.
1: Yeah, and I'm interested to see where these defensive line pros, especially like McNeil, um, because you know I, I feel like a lot of teams are going to value defensive linemen a lot higher than. We had expected, um, and I went into the Packers knowing that cornerback and D line should be our first priority. And you know, I mean, now I'm now I'm okay with waiting for a defensive lineman because I think they need to go back and watch the Super Bowl and realize how much the linebacker position really matters. But that's beside the point. <laughs> but yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, um, it wouldn't be a bad pick. You know, Packers definitely need help on just stopping the run as a whole, it's, you know, one of their weaknesses. Um, I think the tape that McNeil has been able to put on um, is definitely beneficial to him moving forward. Um, his pass risk grades are around 80.8 and 77.5 over his past two seasons. So they're pretty average right there. And, you know, the younger you are as well, you know, you're a little bit more raw as a player and you have to kind of grow into your body and, and learn the knowledge that it takes to be able to, to be a successful nose tackle. And I think he, he excels at that very well. And I think he's going to make a formidable NFL player. Um, but with that being said, we'll move on um, to another player who, you know, can possibly, he's probably better off as a defensive tackle playing next to another defensive tackle. Um, but he was put in positions in his college career where he did have to play nose and he wasn't as successful. And that's my guy um, from down here in Passy, Florida state and Marlon Wilson.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's so many shocking players that unfortunately dropped,
0: um, and I, I, I think I think. Right. Marvin so let's wrote, talk about let's talk about that for a minute. Why Why do you think Marvin dropped the way he did? Do you think it's based off of the situations that he was placed in in terms of scheme and position, and having to change from what you know Jimbo was initially then running to what you know Willie Taggart eventually came in and ran
1: yeah i think that very well could have been a factor um because i don't think there's a certain scheme that didn't fit for him because if you look at like you just mentioned willie taggart he flourished he flourished very very well and he had like one or two good games this year under jimbo fisher um one of that being when they upset north carolina um beginning to midway through the season i think he sw- i think sw- he swapped the coaches but yeah <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> sorry <laughs> yeah but, Jimbo um,
0: was when he was first here in his freshman year, and then Willie kind
1: of took over. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I mean, he was hurt. And so, like, he I I know it was because it was him and Tamari and Terry, um, you know, that were n- dismissed from the team right away. Um, and I, I Marvin Wilson was already hurt. So at that point, He opt out and he has, I think he has the tape that is good enough to be drafted. He did not look good in the senior bowl at all. So I think that was, I think that was one guy that we were, you know, keeping our eyes on, um, in the senior bowl and he just did not perform well at all. And I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, I I don't think Florida state has had their pro day yet. Correct.
0: Correct. We have not. Right,
1: so I mean, I think Florida State's going to be an interesting team for guys like Marvin Wilson and Tamorian Terry. I've got cousins that are extremely high on Tamorian Terry, um, in terms of dynasty as well. <laughs> but I think Tamorian Terry, um, I we I don't think we got to in the receivers, but um, I, I I think Marvin Wilson, if he's developed the right way, I think he could be a very very productive defensive lineman. I don't think he's uh, capable, you know, of being that day one starter right away. Um, but from the point you said about Barmore being kind of a rotational guy, that's what I see a kind of like a guy like Marvin Wilson, you put Marvin Wilson next to Kenny Clark or being a rotational guy against Kenny Clark, who has really, really, really shown out. One of the last picks under Ted Thompson, um, was Kenny Clark lived up to that or, Earn that extension. You put Marvin Wilson next to a guy to learn behind Kenny Clark, who is developing into you know perhaps a top five defensive tackle in football right now.
0: Yeah, um, I mm-hmm. couldn't agree with you more. I think he fits best next to another formidable defensive tackle, or you know, be a rotation guy coming off the bench in times of need. I mean, if you look at you know some past four state defensive linemen that have done that and been successful, you look over <laughs> at the Chiefs who won a Super Bowl. Um, with Derek Nandi being that kind of that rotational player on the defensive line. I think that is going to be a good fit for somebody like Marvin Wilson in this situation. His first three years when he was with Lily Tiger and, and Jimbo Fisher, um, he excelled. He had great, um, you know, overall grades, 90 plus, 90.9, rushing <laughs> rushing grade. Um, but, you know, when Mike Norvell got there, situations changed. He started playing a different defense in his, his last season with, excuse me, was with Mike Morvell and and, um, Fuller as his defensive coordinator. So they moved, excuse me, more down to a three-man front instead of a four-man front. And so his, you know, grades dropped off significantly. And yes, you're right. He did deal with injuries this past season. So that's kind of why, you know, he kind of was like, at this point, like it's not even, you know, not only worth my time, but it's probably not even beneficial for the team when they're trying to break in a new head coach, break in new players, a new culture, and things of that nature, it's probably just better off for me to leave. Um, It just kind of goes to show the type of man that uh, Marvin Wilson is. So, like, I look more at his personality traits more so than his play um, because his last his senior year obviously gives pause to a lot of NFL scouts out there, a lot of coaches as well. Um, So, But then you look at his personality. I mean, he is the one who brought up the whole thing about – you know, when all the Black Lives Matter stuff was going on and the racial injustices and things of that nature, he's the one that kind of brought it to Mike Norvell's attention when Mike Norvell put out a, a comment. And he probably didn't go about it the right way in putting it on Twitter first. But, you know, eventually him and Mike Norvell had a sit-down conversation man-to-man and were able to hash things out. And Mike Norvell was supportive in everything that Marvin has done. He's you know, created a fundraising, you know, event that helps elementary mm-hmm. schools around the Tallahassee area. And he's doing that in college and it's all nonprofit, of course, because you're not getting paid and, you know, in college to be able to do things like that. But uh, it just goes to show the type of person that Marvin is. And I just wanted to highlight that a little bit just because I know um, a little bit a, a little bit more about him. He's a true leader on the football field. Guys rally around him. They respect him. And I think he'll be a nice fit. I think he'll probably be around maybe a late day two, early day three type guy. What are your thoughts on his draft position?
1: I mean, I I think if he would, have, I think the pro day is going to be something to really really watch. Um, I I'm going to give him an early day three grade, somewhere around the fourth the fifth round range, uh, because I mean, I, I if he falls past the fifth round, I would be a little bit surprised, just because, yes, you do see a lot of NFL teams use that recency bias with a lot of the teams, um, with a lot of these players. For example, I probably I think Najee Harris is probably going to get drafted before T- Travis Etienne. Um, Najee Harris came off two straight. I want to say it was 11, 1200 yards rushing rushing seasons the past two seasons. Travis Etienne had a little bit, of, little bit of a down year. His draft stock went down. But, you know, back to your point, he does have the tape. He does have elite tape to show. It's not like his stats just don't wow you. He went into the season being that top 10 prospect. And, right. yes, I do think the coaching change did play a little bit of a factor. It very well could have. He was already hurt, and I'm really, really glad you um, brought up his character. And because you, you'd be very, very surprised how how much you know character does affect draft stock. You know, not in like this drastic way, but you know there's several teams that don't want players with past history or past history in their college career. Um, and we're going to get to milk in a bit here, but I'm glad you brought that up because that'll flow very nicely if we if we go to Milk next.
0: Yeah, let's go ahead and jump into uh, Loudermilk, mm-hmm. Then uh, I'll let you take it away since that's your boy.
1: Yeah, I mean, th- this dude is, you know, six seven two ninety three from Howard, Kansas. He's a Kansas native, just like Graham Mertz. Um, I was able to interview him last week. This dude is such an unbelievable person, um, and I asked him, you know, he's a run stuffer. Like I said, he's a mountain of a man. Um, his stats don't really wow you. I mean, he came off with 13 total tackles. And two and two sacks in a shortened season because you know going into the Northwestern game they had they hadn't practiced in two weeks and he was telling us that you know he couldn't do anything like he couldn't even hit the weight room like he he was sitting in his in his apartment or like off campus or wherever he was living um, so and I asked him you know we asked him you know one area that he's will that he wants to work on and he said Jim Leonard playing under Jim Leonard gave him the ability to. You know, show off his run, his run, his run skills in the run, his skills in the run game. Um, you don't see that too often in the passing game, and I think that was an area where that he immediately said, um, that you know he wants to, you know, build on in the NFL. Um, and I'm glad you brought up the character because this is one thing that really stuck out to me is we ended on about 10 to 20 years from now was our question. What do you want people in the NFL to remember you for? And he says, I want people to speak more on who I am as a person, more than who I am, as a, who I more than who I am as a football player. And, you know, the history you've seen, we've seen the history of, you know, Wisconsin players come through Wisconsin. Jack Cohn wish nothing but for the, wish nothing but the best for him over at Notre Dame. Ian Book's gone. He's now going into a starting role. Jack Cohen was an easy guy to root for. He, I mean, I we've never had, you know, Badger players that you know have had off-field issues, um, and have had. We've always seen Badgers, Wisconsin Badgers athletes, you know, possess that um, that that charisma. And Isaiah Loudermilk was such an unbelievable human being. He's such an awesome guy to talk to, um, and I wish him nothing but the best. But yeah, I mean, the fact that you brought up Marvin Wilson and his. You know, charisma off the field, his support for the Black Lives Matter movements um, and what he's been doing off the field, um, you know, even through his injuries is just it's just amazing. It's awesome.
0: Yeah. I mean, character speaks loudly, especially when it comes to having a leadership capability on a team, no matter where you're at. So we applaud all those guys who are being able to put in that effort to not only be great football players, but be even better people off the field. So, you know, uh, applauding them for that. Um, and, you know, I see louder milkies listed as a DN, um, like when he played at Wisconsin, he played inside and outside. They would move him inside. They would move him outside as well, because he's a very versatile type of player, which a lot of teams might, you know, fall in love with a little bit. He didn't Mm -hmm. necessarily stuff the stat sheet or anything like that. And why you don't really see him high up on draft boards or anything of that nature when it comes to, you know, your top ranked interior defensive line prospects, but, um, guy gets it. He knows how to go about his game. Um, the right way he played in 40 games total 26 starts um, which is awesome you know you, you started over half of your games while in college um, career total of 63 tackles 11 and half for loss seven and half sacks nine pass breakups and two forced fumbles um, three-year starter um, was elected third team all big 10 selection in 2020 um, he was the only three-star recruit um, but he had scholarship offers from big schools and so um, he's he's you know definitely a guy you want on your team Another rotational guy, um, a guy you can bring in, like I mentioned earlier, Derek Nandi. Derek Nandi wasn't drafted very high. He was drafted very late, but he's been a productive rotational guy for the Kansas City Chiefs on their defensive line when he's called, when his name's called. And that's kind of what I see here with um, Loudermilk, is he's going to be one of those guys that not necessarily a huge name that people are going to remember, uh, but he's going to be very serviceable in the NFL for what he is able to provide, um, not only as a football player, but, you know, as a character guy in that locker room because you need that um moving forward in the nfl because one, the tighter you are as a team the more successful you're most likely going to be no matter what level you're at
1: right and you know wisconsin doesn't breed defensive linemen they breathe the other side of the ball they breed sure. their are their o-line you and you don't see many you know offense like defensive line interior d-line prospects come out of wisconsin And really flourish. And, you know, there's there's so many Wisconsin players, and I'm sure you can attest with a lot of these Florida State guys, they're very easy guys to root for. And, like, yes, this might be a biased comment, but, like, Badger football is, like, it's so awesome to watch. And we've talked about Graham Mertz, like, after the Illinois game. And I brought him up, too, in our interview. And, like, you know, when he committed to Wisconsin, I don't recall the other offers he had, but, you know, he he did want to pick the obvious spot. He wanted to pick the spot that, you know, the best quarterback that's ever come out of Wisconsin is Russell Wilson. And Russell Wilson didn't even start at Wisconsin. Like, he didn't even start his college career at Wisconsin. He was playing for the Colorado Rockies. <laughs> but, <laughs> and, and then we get Joel Stave, Bart Houston. I mean, like, those guys were fun to watch. Tanner McAvoy, um, even Jack Cohn. And Jack Cohn, to me, looked a lot more confident last year than he did two seasons ago. Um, and yeah, I mean, we, we, yeah, we, we discussed Graham Mertz very briefly and yeah, it it was a great interview, but yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, we both kind of mentioned here character plays a huge factor. And especially now that I don't know the status of the draft, if it's going to be in person, my guess is it's going to be virtual. I I think they should do virtual again. I thought they did very well doing it virtually. Um, I enjoyed it, (laughs) but um, you know, virtual interviews with teams, it's, to me, I definitely feel like, and we've probably had this conversation before. It's very hard to know, like c- talking to someone virtually could be a completely different person than talking to them in person. So yeah. like they, like a first impression absolutely always matters, but it, it's very crucial in my opinion to make that first impression, um, during those interviews. And like you said, I mean... All 32 teams were at Quinn Miners' interview or pro day yesterday um, over at Whitewater Perkins Field. Um, I want to say there were four offensive line coaches. None of them were the Packers, <laughs> but I think one of them was the Steelers, the only team I remember. But yeah.
0: Yeah, it's different to see, you know, uh, and hear people talk about defensive linemen, you know, out of Wisconsin. We're we usually talking about the other side of the ball, like you yep. mentioned. Um, but it's cool to be able to talk about a guy like this, um, you know, a guy that's not mm-hmm. necessarily. One of the big names people might not know a lot about them, and um I love the fact that you're like you know the the mutual respect we have for each other's teams even though you know we're from different areas of the <laughs> country, and you know they're two different styles of football and it's yep. just like it's just like I, I I have learned so much more about you know Wisconsin than I have ever known about Wisconsin from just being your co-host and I'm sure you've you've learned the same thing about Florida State and you know they're each exciting in their own way it's cool to see you know the hog Mollies. Um, up there in Wisconsin, be able to pave freaking highways for running backs to run through. I think that's so cool how they're just able to move defensive linemen out of the way and things of that nature. And then, of course, when you move down to a place like in the ACC or in like Florida State, for instance, it's all flash and and style and things of that nature. And you got to make the exciting playmaker plays and things of that nature. So, um, yeah, it's really cool, man. Uh, but we'll move on here um, and we're going to jump into one of my favorite guys who I have just been high on since you know we've even started this whole show and podcast and everything and that's um, one of the defensive linemen out of Washington and Levy Owuzurike didn't butcher the name now because I've said it so many times but uh I'll let you take it from there and then I'll get into him a little bit later
1: see you said you said you were high on him before we started this I thought for sure you were going to say Jay Tafel <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah I mean Levi Wuzurika played against played next to Vita Vea at a point in his career at Washington. Um, and as soon as Vita Vea left for the NFL, your Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Levi Wuzurika had some big shoes to fill, um, and he certainly filled those very well. And a little bit of a surprising guy that um, he did opt out, and we'll get the J to Jay Fall in a bit here. There's another guy that opted out, but um, you know you're still seeing Levi in first round mock drafts um and i got a feeling if a guy like levi or even jay fell are you know still on the board late in the first round early in the second you might see a team reach for them um because they might not be available at their next pick um and to me what, what really stands out to levi to me is the fact that he's been consistent he his ability to handle the workload um after after the departure of vita vea to the nfl so um I, i'm very excited to see what he can do and then at the next level
0: yeah and i, I guess that's kind of well, he obviously opted out this past season along with another defensive lineman for washington i believe um so we didn't we didn't get to see his tape for the 2020 season but he already had the tape and the film um to send out because he was just a monster and you know the one year where he was you know a full-time starter he didn't necessarily put up the grades or the numbers that he did the previous year when he was you know a part-time guy coming in um played 391 snaps so um good overall but his you know go-to move is obviously his explosiveness as soon as the ball even you know just slightly moves he is you know on the on it like immediately um and the that also you know that's that's awesome and great but it's also one of his you know, the worries that come about when you talk to NFL scouts or things of that nature or when you see NFL scouts talk is that what else can you do besides explosiveness and use your explosiveness to your advantage? We need to see a couple more tools added to your bag for you to become that next level in the the NFL on no matter what team you're talking about. But And I think I put him at – um, number thirty-two overall to the Bucks in the past in our last mock draft actually, Um, because Andomik and, and Sue's getting not getting any younger, um, starting to slow down a little He'd bit. Free, later agent
1: later.
0: free agent too, free agent too, and so you look at pairing him with Vita Vea, which is when you know, That'd be he, fun. Had, yeah, when 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 Enrique had his best year ever was when he was coming and playing next to Vita Vea. You know, that's when he had his best grades out in pass rushing and things of that nature. So um that would be a huge win for the bucks you know in in my opinion but we'll see where he lands because he could probably be you know a one through three day guy too you don't necessarily know where he's going to end up just based off of you know not seeing him play this last year but in the worries that i already said um he needs to figure out how to recover so once he's knocked off of a block you know how to recover and get back into the play rather than you know just standing around and trying to bully your way in there you got to be able to use different techniques to get back there um so like when it comes to nfl offensive linemen they're obviously way more quick with their feet you know more choppy um they're a much more athletic know how to use their hands well so that can be a cause for concern when it comes to how effective he'll be in the nfl but where do you necessarily or where do you see you know was you know fitting in terms of the draft
1: um i would definitely are you
0: asking where what round yeah, yeah. What round or like um I mean, what, if you, he goes, what do you like like about him and where you think he would fit or I mean if he goes know? in the first round, I the
1: Buccaneers would be a lot of fun, but I I personally think he's talented enough to go in the first two rounds. Is he a solidified first round pick? Maybe not. You know, maybe a guy like Christian Barmore might be more of that guy. I think if we would have seen him and you know J play, I think oh, we might have we might even see two, maybe three defensive linemen, um, depending on, you know, how their productions would have been um, playing this season. Um, but, you know, you mentioned his technique, area that he does need to polish up a bit. Um, but, you know, his athleticism, his twitch, and his explosiveness, I think teams are going to fall in love with that. Um, and that would be a lot of fun, uh, you know, playing, watching him, him and Vita Vea, you know, reuniting. Um, Vita Vea, you know, that's a guy at the Packers, you know, interviewed before they before that draft um i don't recall who they drafted that might have been the draft where they traded down um i i can't remember but um that's a guy that i really wanted on the packers uh, you know pair him next to kenny clark i think our run i think our run defense would be a whole lot better than it is right now <laughs> and i know it might not even be as big of a concern than it is right now but um you know and dominican sue's a free agent they tag chris godwin um, they Say re-sign Levante David. I would assume Shaq Barrett is probably gone now, especially since he's. Pro- they are they they already use their franchise tag. My guess is Rojo's gone. I think if they're smart, they try to bring you know Leonard Fournette back. Um, AB's up. So I mean, the the Buccaneers. I mean, like the Packers as well, because they're also shopping Preston Smith. Um, I think the Buccaneers are going to be an interesting team to watch in the offseason to see which guys they bring back.
0: Yeah, it will be um it'll be interesting to see who they're trying to add and what type of pieces they're trying to add. Um, but we'll keep it moving here and the guy that you originally thought I was going to talk about and that's the guy <laughs> from USC, um J2a Philly, big 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 boy, 6'3", 315, redshirt Jr. obviously went to USC, played defensive tackle. Um you know, overall just a, a hell of a hard worker, honestly. He, he was pretty much deemed the best player in the pac 12. Um, he decided to opt out this past season, um, for COVID concerns is what everybody, like we were talking about was with a mm-hmm. Um same thing here with to Philly. Um, but I'll let you take it from there and, and, you know, just dive into whatever you want to about him because, and, and he is indeed, you know, probably one of the best players in the pac 12.
1: Yeah. And I think you, yeah, I, I, that's exactly what I was going to kind of allude to. This is a guy, even though he did opt out, if he goes in the first round, it's not going to surprise me at all. Uh, yes, like we don't know how rusty he is, but, you know, these guys aren't just opting out and not not doing anything. Yes, they're not playing a snap of football, but they're still prepping. And obviously, yes, sitting out from a year of football is going to be tough for a guy. It might be a little bit tough for a guy to come out of, but, you know, Jay Tafel, dude, he's 6'3", 305. And he, like, 2019, I want to say, yeah, right before he opted out, he had 42 total tackles and four and a half sacks. And this USC team is a team that we have praised. And when we were doing our Pac-12 predictions, it didn't help at all that, you know, JTFL opted out because there's not a whole lot of playmakers. Like, Talano, Hufanga – a guy that I love a lot, like him and Thibodeau are my two favorite guys in the Pac-12. And I think Hufanga is gonna be a draft riser. I think whoever gets him is gonna be a steal. But anyways, we'll get to him in the secondary one. Um, but there weren't a lot of playmakers outside of Hufanga um in in that in that USC defense this season. And you know, USC I feel like comes in with a lot of hype. And especially this season, coming in with so much hype, and you know their first two, three games of the season, they're in close games and they almost lose these games that you know probably shouldn't be close, probably shouldn't even be losing these games. I want one of them might have went to overtime if I'm not mistaken, but mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I mean I think this is a guy like I said, if he goes in the first round, it's not going to surprise me at all. I would select Jay Tufel at 29. Um, I'd go other ways, but I mean even used, you've ex- multiple people have expressed their concern, non-Packer fans, that, you know, the run defense is the problem. If they decide to go with a D line outside of a guy like Greg Newsom, which we'll definitely get to, and Eric Stokes, because this is a deep secondary class where they potentially could wait, I would love Jay Tafel at twenty nine to Green Bay.
0: Yeah, um, and he's slipping in a lot of box. Um mm-hmm. People have got him down to maybe even like the third round. So if we're if I'm seeing that, and I'm just like, that's a gold mine sitting there in, in the third, yeah. round right there. Yeah. He is insanely athletic, insanely fast, insanely explosive. Mm-hmm. Knows what to do. What's up, Michael? Coming How's in it going, here, Michael? We appreciate you coming in here, brother. Um, he is just, his agility, his af- just athleticism is. For a guy who is 315 pounds, he shouldn't move the way that he does. Um, he's strong both against the run and the pass. So, I mean, if you could get him, an NFL team can get him, good Lord, man, like what are you – how are you letting that guy slide to that point is, is my first thing. Um, but then you, you come into um, some potential concerns for him. Um, he's going to need to develop, you know, I, like I mentioned earlier, a better tool bag or a better toolbox of moves. Um, it, when we were talking about it, it was Rike because he's just more of an explosive guy, so he's gonna have to learn how to use his hands a little bit more, learn how to shed blocks, um, get off of those when he needs to be. He's more of a three technique guy, um, so we'll see what he's able to do with that in the NFL. Um, but that's what the NFL is for. It's every time you move to the next level, you get taught better in new ways to go about thinking of making these moves so um, if he's able to develop a team is able to develop him watch out because this guy could be a terror on the defensive line sooner rather than later as soon as he gets it and we'll move over to a guy out of the sec and that's gonna be tyler shelvin um didn't really pay much attention to the defensive line at lsu um, but he's kind of a majority plug-and-play run defender, if I'm not mistaken, um, if that's some of you know what I'm seeing is he's more of a run type of defensive lineman. Um, but what are you seeing on, on Telvin there, Sam? You're
1: talking about Tyler Shelvin, right? Yeah. Yeah, this dude is... I'll answer this question first. Uh, we did not talk
0: about it. Um, I don't recall who we had him taken. I think
1: we might've had Rashawn Slater last week. Did we have him, Caleb? Was that what we had?
0: Um, I'd have to look. I'll bring it up real quick. If you want to go ahead and keep talking about Telvin? Yeah,
1: sure. Um, 6'3", 362 pounds. He moves very well for his size. I'm not sure if you mentioned that at all, but um, you know he's very active with his hands. He has a very, very high motor. I would love to see him play next to a guy like Kenny Clark. Again, Kenny Clark. There was another – one of my friends has his podcast. Um,
0: yeah, sorry to interrupt, Sam. But, yeah, we we indeed had the Cowboys taking Rashawn Slater off of the tackle out of Northwestern last week in our latest mock. There for you, Michael.
1: Yeah, uh, Rashawn Slater. I feel like a lot of people were seeing Pat Sertain. But, yeah, um, but like I said, you know, time of shove six three three sixty two pounds 362 pounds – and moves very, very well for his size. He's got a very high motor, um, very high motor off the ball. He's a run stuffer. You never see him give up on plays. You never see him take plays off. Um, you know, I think that's what a lot of teams love, and uh, especially a team like the Packers, where they struggle immensely. You know, they picked up Damon Harrison off of waivers, and he didn't do a ton, um, but now he's up. He's up for a new contract. I want to, I want to say Martravius Adams is. He's finally showing out. I would give him maybe a one-year prove-it deal, but, you know, if Tyler Shelvin slips between the late day two, late day three, early fourth-round pick, which is where I think he's going to end up, and the Packers choose to, to, you know, wait for a defensive lineman or even the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, depending on what they do with their D-line situation, are they going to bring in Dominican Subak? Subac? Kawan Short's a free agent. Are they going to bring in Kawan Short? Um, you know, Kawan Short, I think, is going to be an interesting player for um, – Teams who select the defensive lineman early, maybe not named Christian Barmore because I think Barmore has a talent to start right away. Um, I think Levi Sirike potentially does too, and Jay Tefell. But, you know, if you put, you put a guy like, you know, Kawan Short on a team and you bring in Tyler Shelvin, that to me is a good guy to learn off of a lot. And I like Tyler Shelvin. I think he has the potential to have a very, very successful career. Um, I like him a lot as you know a depth piece, a rotational guy, learning behind a veteran like Kawan Short. But this guy is a high motor and never takes plays off.
0: Yeah, and that's one of the things that I was wanting to point out too is he's probably the most solidified defensive lineman you can get in this draft. Uh, the most solid guy, reliable, does his job, what you ask him to. And his job is obviously not to stop the pass or get in the backfield because he had six total pressures I think in 2019. So that is not this guy's job. When it comes to Shelvin, it's all about stopping the run. Earns above an 85 grade in that area ever since he was in college. So it's great, you know. Uh, you know, guys, teams like the Packers. We keep coming back to that, but that was the Packers' biggest weakness was stopping the run. Unwrap Sports Network coming in here showing some love. What's up, network? We appreciate you. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, he's just he's flexible, um, got a big body, so that's kind of the concern too. He's fluctuated in weight um, during his time at LSU. At one point, he was up to three hundred and seventy-five pounds, um, which hasn't worked since you know Vincent Wilfork was over four hundred pounds in the NFL. So um, that's my main worry with him. But I mean, when you're that big. And um, you're not going to have a problem stuffing, you know, runs every now and again. So I think it will be a very serviceable run stopper. And that's kind of what I think teams are going to view him as instead of, you know, a guy that can get in the backfield.
1: Yeah. And then you mentioned his weight concerns. I mean, this might be a guy, I don't think 362 pounds is. That's a big boy. But like, I don't think 362 pounds is, you know, (laughs) I think, you know, if you get to the 375 range, it definitely is, you know, an area to get concerned about. Will they make him drop to, you know, the, the 350 range or just shy of 350? Um, so, I mean, I think his weight concern does definitely pose some concerns, but, um, you know, he still moves. He still has – he doesn't have this elite speed, but he, I think he still moves very, very well for his size. But, you know, teams might view um, that 362 pounds as a very, very light minor um, – concern that to me is very easily fixable
0: yeah and we'll, we'll see um obviously when you get into the nfl the regiment <clears> is completely different unless you're like at alabama um where it is run like an nfl team when you get the whole you know. yeah so like that's understandable and you've got you know things to be able to build off of when it comes to the nfl in college you're trying to make it to the nfl um so it becomes a little less you know I got to follow these rules. I can actually go and get McDonald's. But like to be able to keep your job, um, it becomes a little bit more serious. You know, It's I got to keep this job. I got to keep my weight down. Obviously, there's been players in the past that have dealt with problems like that, a.k.a. my boy KB, Kelvin Benjamin, <laughs> originally <laughs> Carolina Panthers, and he dealt with his weight issues, and we saw that occur. Um, so that's just something to keep an eye on with him. Um, but we're kind of uh, winding down here, Sam. So I'll, I'm going to end it off with one more person. That's kind of a guy we both forgot about. And it's another guy out of the Big Ten, went to Iowa. And that's uh, a defensive lineman by the name of Davion Nixon, who came in with a lot of hype, but is not really seeing a lot of love right now heading up into the 2021 NFL draft.
1: I thought we were talking Jalen Twyman, but that's all right. No, 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 you're totally fine. (laughs) But I mean, Davion Nixon, it seems like he was getting love, you know, throughout the season, after the season. And now you're not seeing a ton from him, um, a lot. And, you know, this is a guy I think has a lot of athleticism, a lot of speed off the ball. Uh, very similar to, you know, a guy like Twyman. I was going to mention Twyman's very active with his hands. I think Twyman yeah, – talk about him too. I don't I don't mind. <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah. Um, Twyman, I, I, I like a lot too because, yes, he opted out. We were excited. We praised the Pitt defense. We were excited to watch the Pitt defense. Paris Ford opts out during the season. Jalen Twyman opts out before the season, doesn't come back. So they're left with Patrick Jones the second and Rashad Weaver, um, who you you know gave a shout out to during one of our weeks um, previewing the games or previewing the previous that week. Um, but I mean, I I think Jalen Twyman's a guy that excels as a pass rusher. He's 6'2", 290 two two ninety, doesn't have elite size, um, but you know I I think Jalen Twyman could be a guy that you know teams could move out on the outside. I think you could see a little bit more versatility from Jalen Twyman at the next level, but. Um, Davian Nixon, you know, this is a defensive lineman that really came out of nowhere um, and really showed out. And you start seeing him first round mocks, even the teams like the Cleveland Browns. But um, you know, Davian Nixon, to me, I think I see him more definitely as an interior guy, um, maybe a little bit more of a nose tackle guy. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think for his size, I like his speed a lot and I think he's very athletic. Uh, but I like Davian Nixon. I love Jalen Twyman. I like them both.
0: Yeah, when it comes to David Nixon, he kind of made his name known as being a sack guy. Uh, Mm He was able to get in that backfield, and that just shows the ability to be explosive off the ball, um, which showed a lot. He's got an ability and playmaking ability that you can't coach, Um, so that bodes well in his favor. The thing that comes to mind when I'm talking about David Nixon is that um, consistency. Uh, he did have great grades against the likes of Northwestern and Penn State respectively with an 80.6 and 90.3 overall grade. And then you know, against the likes of a Minnesota and Illinois and Wisconsin, he had grades of 44, 52 and 59, which is not gonna get the job done because those at least two of those had pretty legitimate offensive line. Wisconsin, obviously the best out of those three teams. Um, Minnesota was going through kind of a reloading year on their offensive line so they had to work through some things with that but illinois they had like all i think almost either seniors or juniors on their offensive line that had guys that had been there for a while and he just didn't show up in the big pressure situations um when he needed to be able to cause disruptions against great offensive lines or above average offensive lines and that's gonna be worrisome when it comes to the nfl but we'll see where that ends up and then you know moving on the I don't, did I mess his name up? Um, guy from Pitt. What, what is this? Um, I'm sorry, you up. But yeah, Jalen uh, Twyman. Twyman. Twyman, excuse me. Um, that Pitt defensive line we knew coming into this season was going to be nasty. Unfortunately, opt outs prevented us from being able to see the complete package that it was mm-hmm. supposed to be. Um, but in in the year before, he was in 2019. Absolutely disgusting what they were able to do on the defensive line. Works well. Um, not necessarily a super explosive guy, gets the job done. He's another solid um defensive line prospect here. And like we're saying, all these guys have the potential. It's just about getting them in the right rhythm, in the right situation to be able to succeed. He's another one of those guys who will most likely fit better in a four-three compared to a three-four, you know, three three technique type of defensive lineman. But um, I'm surprised that on on a lot of these NFL draft and analysis and pro draft profiles and rankings and things that Twyman's not even on there, um, which is surprising to me. He's been
1: dropping in people's lists, too. And, like, I was going to say, too, like, I think it's so interesting looking at people's lists. I probably said this last week. I tend to repeat myself. But I think it's so interesting to look at people's lists and even mock drafts because it's fun to compare, like, you know, which players are viewed higher because Jalen Twyman was a high defensive line prospect throughout the season – and I think that opt-out potentially hurt him because we, we, we've talked about guys in this episode like Alan McNeil, um, Davian Nixon, you know guys like them just you know showing out um, when, when you have guys like Levi Wuzurike, Jay Tefel, and Jalen Twyman opted out.
0: Yeah, um, it's pretty wild um, the way things and in, in players have moved, especially on the defensive line, because it's been a shuffle from the get-go. I mean, Marvin Wilson was originally supposed to be the top guy in this class um, to come out, and that's not happening anymore. And so it's just crazy to see the movement that's occurred based off of whether that's opt-outs, whether that's production in the past season, um, and all of that nature. But um, we're winding down here, guys. Um, If you guys have been watching the show, obviously you've seen the ticker go down to the bottom. RxHemp.com's on there. Get 10% off every purchase with code RxHemp-USN. Head over to our Teespring shop, teespring.com, backslash stores, backslash unwrap Get all of your favorite shows merchandise as well as the Unwrapped um, merchandise as well. Um, MyBookie.ag. Use code USN100 for double your first deposit. Minimum of $45, max of 1000 So you get double your free play. It's awesome, guys. It's amazing stuff. And then last but not least, guys, head over to our Patreon page. Go to Patreon. Type in Unwrapped Sports. You are supporting not only our show. You're supporting everybody else in our show. You're supporting the network. Not only that, but you get to interact with the contributors, with the directors of unwrapped. If you join the $5 and $10 level clubs um, as well in our, in our discord. So it's awesome stuff, exclusive content in there as well, especially when it comes to gambling, you know, Corey's got his gambling picks in there as well. If you join that $10 one, you get entered into a $10 Amazon giveaway. So a gift card to Amazon for $10, which is awesome. And then at that $10 level, you also get entered into a signed memorabilia giveaway. So, This past month in February, it was a Keenan Allen signed jersey. This month, it is a um, David Montgomery signed jersey. So obviously, David Montgomery there, one of the running backs for the Bears. Um, It's awesome stuff we got going on. You got great odds to win. Um, I think last month, uh, Amber Vickers, one of our own contributors, ended up winning that uh, Keenan Allen jersey. We're trying to get more people in here, you know, just show the love um, to all the fans. I mean, 10 bucks and you're entered into a giveaway for a signed NFL jersey. That makes it all worth it to me. Um, And then at the $5 level, you obviously are also added to the Discord. And then you also get added into the giveaway for the $10 Amazon gift card as well. And then at both of those levels, you also receive a discount to our store. So that makes it worth it, too, for any of the merch that you want to buy from the Unwrapped Sports Network. Again, my name is Caleb Skinner. You can follow me at Twitter at chsnoll. And I'll go ahead and toss it over to you, Sam, and let you end off the show with any any, uh, plugs that you would like to have.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, you said at the beginning, same Underscore Daring sixty eight. Um, we are no longer Dairy Sports. We decided to make a little rebrand into strictly football. And you know, what 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 better way to kick off the rebrand to have our you know good old friend Isaiah Loudermilk um, podcast is published. Go check out Priority Sports His agency definitely retweeted that as well um, or shared that out. So go give that go give that a listen. It was uh, such an awesome interview. You'll get to learn more about him. Uh, you know, both on and off the field, his recruiting process, um, and his time at Wisconsin, what he's been doing to prepare for the draft. You know, he's out in California. Granted, it's been 50, 60 degrees the past two, three days here in Wisconsin, but um, but you know, the time when we interviewed him last <laughs> week, we're sitting we're sitting in a 20, 30, 40 degree weather. You know, he's out in California living the dream and you know, in 70, 80 degree weather, it's it's awesome. But yeah, definitely go give that a shout out. Go follow the blitz. Um
0: and yeah well that that's gonna do it guys um sam as always i appreciate you you know joining me every single wednesday night here on saturday standouts at 8 p.m eastern time 7 p.m central time over there with sam um it's awesome stuff we got coming up we're going to be diving into the edge rushers this next episode so you guys keep an eye out on that and with that being said guys this has been another episode of saturday state outs